You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now... Here is Pastor Micaiah. Welcome once again to Southridge Church. We're excited to see each and every one of you on this Thanksgiving weekend. I'm looking forward to just a great uh, week ahead. And really, this week is filled with two things, appreciation and anticipation. We're going to look back and appreciate all the things that God has done in this past year, whether good, bad, positive. We're going to be grateful and appreciate it all because God's going to work and use it. And then also, we're going into a season of anticipation where we anticipate how Christ came and we anticipate what great things he's going to do in this season because he came. And so we're looking forward to just celebrating that together. And I hope you have a great uh, Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, praying for safety for you. And if you are getting on a plane, you are crazy around this time of year. So we'll definitely pray for you. Or if you just feel like you got nothing better to do than to hop in a truck tomorrow morning and drive up to Oregon and go pick up some Christmas trees, we're really going to pray for you because you were the right kind of crazy. And so it's just going to be a good week because we are gearing up for some great things here at Southridge. So I'm glad that you're here. And if this is your first time, welcome. You're our honored guest and we're excited to have you. And if you call Southridge home and if there's anything we can do for you, please take out that connection card and let us know if you have a prayer request, you want to get involved with something, or you want to sign up for a ministry, uh, anything, put it on that card and so we can pray for you and, and be partnering with you this week as there's great things in store. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles this morning to the book of First Chronicles. We've been a series entitled Heart and soul. We kicked it off in 1 Kings. Excuse me. I have been doing that all throughout this series. 1 Samuel 14, we kicked off this series. We looked at Jonathan's armor bearer. And we looked in a chapter 14. Uh, Jonathan decides to go and take on a Philistine garrison. The garrison was about 20. Now, Scripture tells us that there was only two swords in all of the nation of Israel. And so King Saul had a sword. And Jonathan had a sword, and Jonathan has this idea, let's go ahead and uh, let's go and take on the Philistine garrison of about 20 soldiers, and let's see what God will do. And we learned that really the person who steals the show in that passage of scripture is not Jonathan, but Jonathan's armor bearer. Because his armor bearer looks at Jonathan, and remember, the armor bearer has no weapon. I don't know what Jonathan told him. Go get some sticks or something, you know? Like, what, what did he say to him? Go pick up a rock or something? Uh, or put your hand in your pocket and just kind of go like this? Like, I don't know what Jonathan told his armor bearer to do, but his armor bearer says something that's so impactful, and it's what we're building this series out of. He said to Jonathan, I am with you, heart and soul. And it's great to have that type of a person in your life. Many of you, that is your husband that's that type of person for you. Or that is your wife. Or that is your friend. Or that is your parents. You have that, or that sibling that is that ride or die type person. That Whatever you're about to do, they're just with you. And so week number one, we looked at the fact that when it came to Jonathan stepping out, he didn't step out knowing what God would do. He said, perhaps God will work for us. And so the armor bearer said, I'm going to follow you on this perhaps. And so we looked at moving uh, 
towards great things that God has called us to, uh, simply on a perhaps, that that is the essence of faith. Sometimes we want faith to be something we've already got figured out, but that's not faith. Faith is stepping out before you figured out how it's all going to turn out. That's faith. That's the essence of faith. And so we said we're going to move on a perhaps. That was week one. Last week, we looked at moving not into a perhaps, but also into our purpose. Because Jonathan didn't realize that the moment he said, I'm going to step out, he was fulfilling the purpose for which God has called him to. And we used the illustration of the old Polaroid. And we said that when you take a picture on an old Polaroid and it spits out that picture, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like that uh, old song, hey, uh, wave it like a Polaroid, you know, and uh, yeah, come on, come on, some of you know, shake it like a Polaroid. I knew we had some sinners in this place. Yeah, that's right. And uh, shake it like a Polaroid, okay? And it's the dumbest song, by the way, just a dumb song. I don't know why it ever caught on, okay? But uh, it's like, you know, just... One of those where you don't know your purpose because you don't see it right away. And a lot of people say, I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to move on a perhaps until I know the purpose of it. But that's not how it always works. And so we notice that that Polaroid developed over time. And so God, as I take steps towards him, is revealing more and more of my purpose as I take that step of faith. And so we said that the Polaroid is developed because of a process called the Polaroid land process, meaning there's the negative in the film, and then there's the positive, and they are smashed together through two rollers, and that's how we get the image, that God takes the negative things in our life and the positive smashes them together, and he reveals our purpose to us. And if you missed the message, you can go on to Spotify, and you can go re-listen to it. And so we want you to, each week, we want to build. Well, first week was moving on to perhaps. Second week was moving on purpose. This week, it's moving on preparation. And so if you have a copy of God's word, would you turn to the book of Chronicles? Because I want to fast forward a little bit in history. And I want to go to King David. And King David's going to teach us about preparation this morning. Because it's one thing to move. It's another thing to have purpose. But it's another thing entirely to be prepared. And so sometimes we just want to step out and not put in the preparation, not put in the reps, but yet we expect something. It's like, hey, I'm going to eat uh, how I want to eat, but I still want a six-pack. You know, I wish that that could happen, right? Wouldn't that just be awesome, you know, that God would just cancel out the calories that we consume this week and just we wake up on uh, Friday and we're just like, well, look at those. Count them. There's six of them, you know? I mean, it's like, and some of you doubly blessed, you get eight, you know? And uh, uh, so it's just one of those things where we wish that would happen. No, no. How does that happen? There's a process to it. There's some preparation that goes into it. Same when you look at a person down your road that you admire their walk with God and their faith. That didn't just happen overnight. Uh, same thing when you look over at a family who has some kids that you just, you look at their kids, you're just like, those are some good kids. Don't look at my kids. My kids, you might not think I'm saved. You look at my kids, all right? You might get a different impression, Tyler. Now, that is not code for buy me a parenting book. I have plenty of parenting books. I say things like this, and then people are like, that pastor just needs this book. Let me send it to him. No, thank you. I have enough books, okay? Uh, let me do a Jesus you. I have the only book right here that matters. There we go. Come on. Amen. I don't need your book. Keep dapsing to yourself, all right? So just kidding, just kidding. Some of you are like, what in the world? It's Thanksgiving weekend. Let's lighten up, okay? We're all going to be traveling. We need all the joy and humor we can get. Somebody was texting me yesterday, and they said, uh, Jack in the Box has coined the new phrase, Joma. Anybody seen this? Two of you. 
Wow, I thought our church was with it with current event type stuff, and it's the joy of missing out. <laughs> the joy of missing out. I, I, I don't get it. But anyway, so uh, let's dive into Scripture. How about that? God's Word has some good stuff. First Chronicles 22. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, would you please stop by our Connect table? We have a free Bible that we'd love to give to you. Or you can look up on the screen. Begin in verse number 5. The Bible says this. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparation before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood. And have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood in the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of your God. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord. I think we can pick up on a little uh, word that keeps popping up. It's the word prepare. And if you have an old school copy of God's word, I would highlight that. I would underline it. I would circle it in red that there is preparation going into the house. I believe every Sunday morning there should be preparation before we come to the house. That we should say, God, speak to me. God, get my heart ready. I think sometimes we wake up and we leave it up to the worship team to get us in the right worshipful mood. Instead of us saying, you know what? I've already gotten in the mood. I already put Spotify playlists. I already listened to some Hillsong, some Bethel, some Elevation, some Mosaic, whatever it takes. But sometimes we come in cold to a worship service, and we kind of cross our arms like, all right, God, what you going to do? Instead of saying, no, no, I am ready to receive. There's got to be some preparation. There's got to be preparation. Touch your neighbor, shake him, and say, hey, preparation, preparation this morning. Preparation. Your wife looked at you and said, how about you prepare the turkey this week? How about you prepare some stuff? Oh, that's a different message. Oh, my, my goodness, we're getting off track. Let's get back to the word. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord. 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord will be with you. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, has given, uh, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the Lord is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now, set, can we say it together? Your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and of the holy articles of God into the house that is built for the name 
of the Lord. I love it. David gives the same command, doesn't he? He says, now set your heart and soul to seek the Lord. He's telling us to go after something this morning. He's telling us to seek something, but not just to look at it like our children look for something. You ever done this? It's time for your kids to go to school, and they're missing one of their shoes, and it's one of their shoes you got to find, and they come to you, and they say, Mom, Dad, where's my shoes? You're saying, go look for it. And they're like, they look. I looked. You're like, no, 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 look under your bed. And then you have to like write out a treasure map for them where they should look. Did you check your bed? Did you check your closet? Did you check the bathroom? Did you check the garage? You know, you're giving all this stuff for them to check for their shoes. You see, he is saying, hey, don't go after God like we have to, uh, uh, he has to spell everything out for us. He's saying, go after God heart and soul. Heart and soul is everything, the very fiber and essence of our being to go after God. And that's the challenge to the church this morning, that we are to go after God. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, you have something to write down, would you please write this down? You get what you go for. You get what you go for. This morning, whatever you are going for in life, you will get. You're saying, hey, I'm trying to go for this vehicle. I'm trying to go for this wife. I'm trying to go for that husband. Preferably, they're single when you go for them, okay? Uh, Otherwise, don't ask me to pray for you, okay? All right, pray for this girl. She's super cute. It don't matter. There's a ring on the finger already. You leave that one alone. Move along. They say, oh, this guy, he's so handsome. Yes, he married. Leave him alone, okay? Go after something that's single, available, and uh, just that, that's better for you. But we get what we go after. We get what we go after. And that's what David's trying to command, not just Solomon, not just the elders and leaders of Israel, but he's trying to teach all Israel that. Hey, you get what you go for. So the, it begs a question then. What are you going after? If we were to do an inventory of your time this week, what would it say to us? Would it tell us that you work very hard at your job? Would it tell us that you work very hard in your relationships, whether it be with a spouse, with children, with friends, or with family? Would it reveal to us that you've spent a lot of time with God and his word? What would an inventory of your schedule reveal to us? It would reveal what you're going after. And we're saying this morning that not everything you go after is wrong, but the thing that David is commanding us and challenging us is, hey, seek God with all your heart and with all your soul. And around this season, what a great thought that we should be seeking God. A couple of weeks ago, I watched an interview. And this uh, guy that was watching the interview just made quite a storm and and just kind of popped up everywhere. And I'm proud of his testimony. I know there might be some skeptics and naysayers, but I'm excited. Anytime that somebody says, hey, I am a Christian and I'm following God, guess what? Their past doesn't matter. We're on the same side. Jimmy Kimmel is talking to Kanye because Kanye all of a sudden in the interview with Jimmy Kimmel, he starts talking about how going to church and how seeking God is something that he's excited about and how God is moving in his life. And all of a sudden, Jimmy Kimmel stops him and says, so would you consider yourself a Christian artist now? And you could tell Kanye steps back and he thinks about it. And then Kanye West kind of says, I'm just a Christian everything. And the crowd just erupts. Because isn't that the point? It's not that I compartmentalize my Christian Christianity that, oh, it's Sunday, so today I guess I'm a Christian. Oh, it's Sunday, so I guess I kind of get my Bible and blow off the dust and take it to church. It's okay. We're good. We'll keep rolling. Uh, So it's one of those things where when it comes to following God, is it something that we just kind of compartmentalize? That, oh, my marriage isn't doing so good. Let's get back into church. Oh, my parents aren't, my children aren't doing too good. Let's go back to God. 
No, no, that is not heart and soul seeking God heart and soul. Heart and soul is everything. It's all together. It's saying, no, no, I'm in this, God. I'm going to follow you. I don't just compartmentalize my Christianity. I go all for it. So the question is, what are you going for? Because David is telling his son to go after something. He's telling Israel to go after something. So David was bringing the people into alignment with their God-given assignment. David was bringing the people into alignment with a God-given assignment. You say, what was that assignment? To build the house of God. Why? So that they could have a place where they could worship God, where they could seek God. So there's got to be an alignment here. And so what David was trying to do was trying to say, hey, if we're going to seek God, let's have some alignment. And that's the challenge for each and every one of us is to say, God, you have an assignment for me. So let me bring this assignment into alignment with my life. Because too often God tells us to do something or God points something out. And what do we do? We kind of do our own thing. We're off wherever we want to be. Instead of saying, no, God, I'm going to bring my life into alignment with that assignment. And each one of us have an assignment. And you say, what was it? You see, David said in verse 17, he commanded all Israel and Solomon, his son. Why would he talk to all Israel? Because he knew Solomon couldn't do this himself. He knew he had to bring some things into alignment. Hey, we're in a season right now where, guess what? We can do more together than we can do apart. Imagine this morning if everybody had a, um, their own bow and arrow for a second, okay? Just imagine for a second. And all of a sudden, we put a target out 50 yards out. That's a long way. And imagine if everybody in a field, and you wouldn't hurt yourself, but everybody could just shoot the air wherever they wanted to. Not a whole lot of impact. But imagine if everybody pointed the same direction, aimed at the target, and everybody shot. Several of us will probably hit that target. More would hit the target than if not. So when we all work together on something, more is accomplished. Next week, we're going to give out 400 Christmas trees. Guess what? That's exciting. We're going to bless the community. We're going to do something for them. But let me ask you this. When we get together on this, there's more impact. Not one of us can do that whole project. It's going to take all of us. And the more people we have together, the more impact that we can make. So David is saying, hey, all Israel, guess what? It's great when one of you seek God. It's great when two of you seek God. But guess what? How about we have the entire nation seek God? What if we were just a church, a saturated with people that said, we're just here seeking God, heart and soul. That is, it, it consumes us, though. Everything we do revolves around him. That people get around us, and they're just like, man, you're just Christian everything. You're just the epitome of just Christianity just oozing out of your pores. Because why? You're in alignment with that God-given assignment. So what is God calling us to? You see, God is calling us to something that is bigger than a building. Several months ago, we lost a building. And, and, and people left because we lost the building. The building was gone, so they were gone. They said, I'm out. Why? Because we unintentionally made the vision about a building. And we limited what God had for us. Because we said it's a building. We'll get a building when we get this. But understand something. God's never needed a building. He even told David, hey, this is great and all. You want to build me a house? That's awesome that you want to decorate and you want to collect all this gold. I don't really need it, but I will honor you, David, in showing up there. Because too often a building is like a shoe telling the foot how big it can grow. And sometimes a building can limit the scope and the, uh, the, the faith of what God wants to do. So losing the building for some may have seemed like, oh, man, that's a bummer. What happened? We did something wrong. No, no, no. Everybody got evicted. But here's the thing. It's not about the building. It's about something bigger than that. You see, here you say, what is it about? It's not about a building. It's about building people. 
But what happens is when you get a building, it takes all your time and all your resources, and you forget, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be building people. That's what it's, we're called to. And guess what? We can build people right here in a rented facility. We can build up people. And God had us here for a reason, didn't he? How many saw the news what happened at this school last week? In case maybe some of you didn't want to see the news. Some of you were like, are you wearing a bulletproof vest under there? Some of you just checking, you know. They found a bomb in the parking lot along with several guns. I think God put us here for a reason. So when Pastor Missile went to the school on Wednesday and dropped off some cupcakes, they said, can I pray for you? All of a sudden, the school said, we're not alone. Because the only people calling us are parents that are upset or the news wanting a story. And here's a church just saying, how are you guys doing? They said, that's what it's all about. So what God has called us to is bigger than a building. And some people would say, oh, the timing is terrible. I think the timing is perfect. Perfect. You say, why? Next week we're going to give out 400 trees. What does that say to the devil? It says, guess what? You can try and threaten the innocent, but we are here. We're here to do great things for God. We're here to be an evangelist for God. We're here to witness for people. So the vision is bigger than a building. And that's what here David's trying to challenge the people to. Hey, let's get in alignment with this assignment. It's bigger than that. But not only that, God said something in verse 18. He said, I've given you guys rest on all sides. You're not going to have to worry about fighting wars. You're not going to have to worry about all this. I'm going to allow you guys to have rest. What is God doing? He's giving them margin for their mission. Because if they're fighting battles, guess what they can't focus on? What God has assigned to them. So God gives us some margin in our life. And so guess what we're trying to do right now as a church and as a community? We're trying to increase our margin. Just like we want you to increase your margin. Hey, if you have more money than you have month, that's not a problem. That's a good thing, isn't it? They say you should have six months worth of reserves in the bank account. Some of you are like, I got six days, pastor. How about that? Some of you are like, I got six hours because I'm going to lunch. I'm going to wipe out that emergency fund. It's gone. Yeah. And that's the dollar menu and Mickey D's, which is a lie, by the way. Nothing on there is a dollar anymore. I was there this morning, but I digress. So understand that God is trying to create margin. Your marriage needs margin. Hey, your business needs margin. We should live in the margin. We should live out of the overflow. Hey, our spiritual life needs margin. Some of you say, oh, Pastor, I'd love to be in God's word. I'd love to study. But guess what? I just don't have any time. You need to create margin. you got to create margin. So David is told by God, guess what? I'm giving you guys some margin. You're not going to have to worry about fighting anybody. So you're going to have more time to seek me. So you and I, we have to be proactive about this, saying, God, if I'm going to seek you heart and soul, I need some margin. Not just margin spiritually, but I'm going to need that extra margin. But then he continues on. Here's what I think is so amazing. All throughout this passage, David said, I put great trouble in the preparation. I put great effort. I put great time and resources. But I started to think about this passage. Here's the thing, though. In a couple chapters, they're going to open this temple. It's going to take a long time to build, several years to build. And there's one person that was never going to get to see it. You know what his name was? Take a wild guess. David. The guy that did the most for the building is never going to get to see it. He's never going to get to step foot in it. And he did all the work for it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Here was a guy that said, I am so invested in the assignment. It doesn't matter. If I don't get to step foot in it, it doesn't matter if I don't get to see it because God has given a calling on my life. And I believe that one day the next generation is going to have it. We are building a church for the next generation. 
So it doesn't matter if we see it or we don't. We're building something for them. It's for our children and our children's children. We have to think bigger, church. We just can't think right here and right now. We've got to think, what about what, what if we had a property of 25 acres? And what if you had a dream center? What if you had all these resources? We're a church plant, and guess what? We have to pay for a place to park our truck. We have to pay for a, pay for a place to, to, to have our offices. What if we had a facility where church plants came into this area? They could park their vehicles for free. They could have offices for free. What if you had a school where people could get trained? Not just a Christian school, but what if you had a Christian college? And what if you had all these amenities that you could resource and serve? Yesterday at 7.30 in the morning, there was a team that went out and gave out blankets to the homeless. What if you could do that on a property? Yesterday at noon, there was another group. They went and passed out meals to 4,000 families. And so imagine if we did this on our own facility. So we are right now in a phase where we're saying, God, we are with you heart and soul, but we're dreaming big dreams. And guess what? We may not see it, but guess what? We know that's going to be there. Because that's faith. That is faith. We're stepping out. So we have a vision gal, and we want to invite you all too. we got 10 tickets left. We want to encourage you to be there. Because why? We're going to cast a vision for 2020. We believe that God is calling us to some great things. And so what we are part of is an awesome responsibility. So around this time of year, everybody has a getting goal. My kids are already, it used to be the Toys R Us magazine. Now it's the Kohl's magazine because Toys R Us shut down. So Kohl's is like, we got you covered. I'm like, oh, really? You had to. So my kids circle all the things that they want for Christmas. And then I put a big red X through it. Nope. <laughs> Cole for you. Cole for you. And you wonder why my kids rebel against me. You're like, I do the same. And so what happens, we have our getting goals. But what about our giving goals? You see, we plan for everything. But what about saying, God, this is what I want to give to you. This is what I want to be a part of. I'm going to ask our ushers, would you please grab the special offering baskets that I, that I prepared? Would you grab those? And I need everybody to collect an offering envelope this morning, or an envelope. We got them for you. They're right at the back. Uh, Daniel and some of his team, they're going to have them. And just pass them out throughout the entire team. I just need everybody to get one, all right? So they're going to pass these out. And I want you guys to grab these little envelopes, okay? And if we could do it as quickly as we can, I think we may have enough. We might run out. But, but you're going to get an envelope in just a second, all right? And we're just going to pass them. So ushers, just pass them out to anybody and everybody. Everybody get one, okay? And as soon as you get it, just take one. They can pass it down. We're going to go over this for just a second. I want to show you guys something because David does something really impactful here, something really powerful. So you're going to get an envelope. You're going to get an envelope, all right? Everybody needs an envelope. You can shake that envelope. You're like, what is this envelope? What is this? You can open that envelope if you want to. You can open it. You can open that envelope. Anybody opened it yet? Anybody opened it? What's in the envelope? M&Ms. Don't eat them. Don't eat them yet. Okay, don't eat the M&Ms. Those M&Ms stay there. Does anybody, can you count how many M&Ms are actually in the envelope? How many M&Ms? Ten. Everybody should have ten. I counted them, and I was homeschooled, so some of you may have got less, some of you may have got more. That's homeschooled education. That's mama taught me. Mama taught me how to count. With my shoes off, because I needed my toes. Everybody should have 10. Everybody should have 10. Open that up, but please do not eat them. Please don't eat them. You say, why? Because when it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving, God has been so good to each and every one of us. This year, a group of nine of us went to a third world country, and we saw what poverty is. And we came back, and we were so grateful for all the things we have and all the convenience that God has blessed us with. And so it's easy to look at our resources, and some of us, we have more margin than others, 
but all of us have a certain amount. All of us. And so we all have something. We all have something in our lives that God has given us. But here's what I want you to do. I want you right now, so long as you're not allergic, to please eat three M&Ms. Because when you eat these three M&Ms, you're basically eating your mortgage or your rent. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. You say, I live with my parents. Lucky you. (laughs) Your parents got more space? I'm a family of five. I'll move in. It's got to be cheap. How many M&Ms you got left if you just ate three? Some of you homeschool too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be seven. 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 I should be nice. Most homeschoolers are a whole lot smarter than I am. So most homeschooling works out really well. Here's what I want you to do. You ate three. I want you to eat another. Uh, eat two. Eat two. You say, what are these two for? These two are for health care. This is how much you spend on average on health care. Hey, help me out. How many got left? Five. So three went to housing in the Bay Area. Some of you are like, I should have just ate all ten. Like, just ate them all up. See, you got a half left. But on average, that's how much we spend in our income on health care. It's a good 20% that we spend on our health care. 30% on housing. Hey, do me another favor. Eat another two. And this represents recreation and personal needs. You say, hey, I got personal needs. I got to buy the kids shoes, school uniform. I got to take care of this. Or, hey, I have a gym membership or I got this membership. And those are not bad. It's just kind of things that you have. You know, dry cleaning bills, it's recreation, it's things. So all of a sudden, how many got left? Three. Now, on average, we spend one and one-fourth M&M on food. So instead of just eating two M&Ms or eating them, just eat one and then eat another one kind of in half. <laughs> That's how, how I got it. Bite it, okay? Don't share that half with your neighbor. They don't want it, all right? Then we should have one and a half left. You know what that one and a half left is for? Well, one M&M goes for your auto, your car, cars, insurance, gas, maintenance. Eat one. How many got left? Everybody should have this little, this little half left. You know what this represents? The 2% that you got left each month. You're like, that's not a whole lot of money. Power bill, we didn't pay it. See, see, see. Oh, man, I got nervous. I was like, I knew we should have spent this somewhere else. Oh, my goodness. Starting to feel like my house. We just get the candles. Or you got those solar-powered lights outside. I bring those inside. Yeah. Here's what happens. The average American gives 2% of their household earned income to charity and causes 2%. Here's what's crazy. We started with how many? 10. How many got we left? 2%, like a half. It should be a little bit less. We should all like nibble a little bit more, but we're just using that half as an illustration. So here's what we do. We say, all right, God, I love you heart and soul. God's like, really? I don't think you do. That's a half-eaten, crusty M&M. I don't think you do. But here's what we do. 
we look at God and we say, God, but you didn't understand how much time I had to pay the mortgage, I had to pay health care, I had to pay costs on my kids, and I have all this stuff I got to pay. And so, God, this is all you get. And, and David is saying, no, 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 make preparation. Prepare for God to work. Because what we often do is we look at our stuff and we think it's ours. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Because the scripture in Job 41.11 says this, everything under heaven belongs to God. Everything. And yet, when it comes to giving to God, we kind of say, God, here's the leftovers. Let's see what you could do for that. Because the average American gives 2%. 2%. That's not just people who aren't saved. There really is no difference, statistically, between non-Christian and Christian when it comes to this 2%. And this is not a guilt trip. Let me just tell you the facts. This is how it is. But yet we say, we're going to do things for God, and we're going to do this for God, and we're going to build great things, and we're going to send missionaries, and we're going to do this. There you go, God. We give God spare change and spare time when we think we're going to change the world. It's not how it's going to work. So God told David, make great preparation. And David said, guess what? I collected so much silver, so much gold, you can't even count it. You can't even count it. So there was so much provision. You see, God said in Malachi 4.11, Herein have you robbed God in your tithes and offerings. So God says, guess what? The tithe is 10%. The first 10 goes to God. So you get 10, you say, God, guess what? I'm going to give you the first of it. That's all throughout Old Testament. You say, well, pastor, we don't live in the Old Testament. I'm glad you said that. You're right. We live in the New Testament era. It's a new dispensation. It's a new covenant. What did Jesus say when he said, thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments? But then in the New Testament, he actually raised the stakes. He said, don't even say raka to your brother, which means to say, I hate you. He said, saying I raka, hate your brother, is worse than murder. So what did Jesus do with the old law? He raised the ante. Hey, Jesus in uh, uh, raised the ante not just in that area. He also, Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. But then in the New Testament, what happened? Jesus said, hey, even if you look at a woman to lust after in your eyes, you've, co- you've committed adultery. What do you, he raised it. So, so yet we, we say, oh, I pick and choose what dispensation I want to live in. God's like, no, 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 the ten is mine. Here's what's amazing, though. God can provide all of it because God's got it all, right? He's got it all. And God's saying, hey, I have it. I can give it to you. And in Malachi 4, verses 11, he says, hey, prove me, test me in this. Whether or not I will open the windows of heaven and will pour out a blessing. What is God saying? I will give you so much blessing, you won't be able to consume it. So this is what God is saying. That's what God is saying he can do. This is the best sermon ever, by the way. Uh, We just need to incorporate food more often. So God is saying, hey, you have all this that God can do. And yet we think, we think, but God, this is so much. God's like, but I got this waiting for you. So here's what happens. When we don't give God this, God can't give us this. Pick and choose. God is saying, hey, bring this to the offering, and guess what? I can bless you on so much more. It it doesn't make sense how I live in the Silicon Valley. It just doesn't make sense. I should not have been able to buy a house and have a $1,700 mortgage. That's just, that's just crazy. Off of what I made when we bought the house, I made $44,000 a year. How did I buy a house? Even with the down market, it didn't make any sense. God makes it work. There are things that God does, and he just says, I'll come through. We decided we were going to plant the church, and I had an old vehicle. My in-laws bought us a brand-new car. Why? Because we just said, God, we're going to trust you. And God says, I will provide for you, and I will take care of you. You see, everything is God's. And when we give it to him, God says, hey, I can bless it, and I can use it. So 
too often, we let the moment of need turn into a moment of greed. Because we keep that one fourth. And God's like, wait a minute. You, you owe that to God. Here's the thing. If everything's God's and he gives us 10% and it's all his, that's interesting. Anybody got a copy of a dollar bill for me? I want to illustrate something. You got a copy of a dollar bill? Anybody? Anybody? I know we're a cashless society. If you got a dollar bill or any bill, can you hold it up? Anybody got a bill? You got a bill, sir? Excellent. Excellent. Can I borrow it? Can I borrow it? I promise. I promise I'll give it back. I promise. I will. I will. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're the man, Andrew. All right. The back of this dollar, very back. If you got a dollar bill, I'm going to put it up on the screen too. It says something. What does it say? In God we trust. That's actually not correct. I know some of you are like, heretic. No, I'm not. If all of it's God's, we're not trusting God. God is trusting us. Let me say it again. If all of it's God's and he gives it to me, I'm not trusting him. He's trusting me with it. So let me ask you, how are we stewarding what he's giving to us? That's the question. You say, why? Because guess what? Eminem actually doesn't stand for whatever it stands for. It actually stands for I'm God's money manager. This morning, I am God's money manager. You see, God has entrusted to me these resources. And God gives me opportunities to steward it. Why? Because he can pour out the rest. God owns it all. God can make it happen. God can give you that job. God can provide that house. God can provide these things. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart as you delight in him. He'll bring those things to you. He will bring that spouse to you. He will bring the house. He will bring the cars. He will bring these things to you as you say, God, I'm delighting in you, and I'm following your ways. But too often what happens is we let the moment of need turn into a moment of greed, and we say, God, I just got to gotta keep it. And God's like, okay. You're going to keep that one little 2% you got left? Well, guess what? Good luck with it. Here we're coming on to a season. It's not, it's not a guilt trip season. It's a season where we say, you know what? We need to move on this thing. We need to see what God can do. As we say, God, everything's yours. And God says, I want to bless it. You know, there's several types of people in this room. There's the, what I call potential. You haven't given anything yet. But you can start. You can move from a zero to a number. There's another group. So there's potential. There's also emerging. Emerging group. This is the group that you're going to start to give. You're going to say, I believe in the mission here. And I'm not wealthy and I'm not this. But guess what? I believe in it. Two years ago, and I'll bring the jar in a couple weeks, we received our largest offering ever. Not in an amount, but in an attitude. Three boys who had never been to Disneyland saved up everything they had for a Disneyland vacation. They still have not gone to Disneyland. And they brought that as an offering. And it touched me in a deep, deep place. But it was so sacrificial because it was the widow's might. It was that last little bit. And they were saying, hey, I believe in the vision. I believe in something bigger. So God is calling us to something bigger here. And so we're saying, hey, I'm going to be an emerging. That's where I'm going to start to give. Also, there's the intentional. You say, what do you mean intentional? This is somebody that's going to say, you know what, pastor? Man, for me to go to, go to 10% right now might be tough. But you could go to 3% consistently, set it up for auto pay, and say, hey, 3% of our check. And you could talk about it with your spouse. Say, hey, we're going we're gonna to start doing this. We need to move in this. Or if you're at 3%, you could say, hey, 6%. Or maybe you're ready to go to 10%. Maybe God's been working on this area. We say, you know, I am ready to give God what is his. I don't want to keep it. 
Because we've been prioritizing Visa and MasterCard, and God has been coming in second to MasterCard and Visa. And here's what I'll tell you. Visa won't help you pay God, but God will help you pay Visa. God can take care of it. Come on. So we got to say, Lord, I trust you because you trust me with it. You put it in my hand. And I know what some of us are thinking. I know some of you. You are amazing engineers, entrepreneurs, nurses, and doctors. And man, you have worked hard. You've gone to school. And you say, Pastor, I work hard for my money. And you do. But who gave you the ability to work hard for it? Who gave you the breath in your lungs? Who gave you the ability for your heart to pump that blood through your body? Who gave you that opportunity to have such a great job? It was God's. And I think sometimes we're saying, well, God, just give me the money. And God's like, I've given you the ability to make money. You're a steward of it. So there is the potential. There's the emerging. There's the intentional. And then there's the tithing. You're given 10%. You're, you're right there. And we say thank you for that. And let me just be real practical with you. A church our size, our size. When I talk to the bookkeeper, 20% of the people of a church our size pay all the bills. 20%. Here's what's crazy. That's actually above the national average. Just goes to show you that think of what we could do. You know, some people have said, well, we lost a building. Where did all that money go? Actually, the building fund last year has actually doubled. It's doubled, even with everything we've been through. It's doubled. You say, man, it was a trying season. Yeah, it was. I still don't know why God allows certain things. But here's one thing I want to encourage you with. All those chairs we've donated for. You know how many churches we've actually helped? We had a little thing. We said, if you're a church planter, you get it for free. If you're a church, you get it half off. And if you're not a Christian, you pay double. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Maybe. Oh, amen. Maybe that's not the image we want to give. But uh, So right now, there's three churches our chairs are sitting in. So you say, oh, man, I paid for people to get saved in those chairs. And people will. He said, I gave so that lives would be changed in those seats. And, and they are. So guess what God said? God said, Southridge Church, you're a church that I can give it to and I can give it through. A couple of years ago, I preached a message about the window, work your window. And we said, hey, open wide the window so that God can work it. And so we opened wide the window. And so God can get it to you, but can he get it through you? And a lot of us, we shut the window on God. We shut the ability of what he can do. And so we need to open that wide so that God can give it through us. And guess what? We said, hey, are there some churches that are struggling that we can bless? There's a church in Tracy. There's a church in Sacramento. There's a church in Berkeley right now that have our chairs. Why? Because we said, hey, you can give it through us, God. We'll help others. And this week we had another church come by and we said, what else can we help you with? What else do you need? And the look on their face, because they're running 90 and they're saying, we're just trying to get going. And we're like, well, you need this and you need this. So don't think for one second, oh, it was a loss. God just had a bigger plan where he said, hey, I'm going to bless one church. And we used it. We saw lots of great things happen through it. And God said, hey, now I'm going to use you as trickle down economics. And so I'm going to give it to one, but then it's going to bless many. And isn't that how the kingdom is supposed to work? Where we bless one, but now we can able to do so much more. So God is saying, hey, continue to trust me with this. But then there's the last group. You're the extravagant. It's going above the tithe. And that's where David was. David said, I'm building the house. I'm going to get all the resources together so that my son can have something. So the people will follow God heart and soul. Because God has it. As we just say, God, I'm going to start giving you yours. I want to start bringing you. I'm going to start preparing so that, God, you can do great things. You see, 
David connected our attitude towards God and he reflected it in his actions. And in Psalms 30, if you read that Psalm, we don't have time to turn there. He was thanking God for a temple. He was praising God for the temple. The only problem is when you do a study of scripture about Psalms 20, the temple was not built yet. David was thanking and praising and giving glory to God in advance for what he knew God would do. So we say, God, guess what? On December 14th, 15th, when we bring our heart and soul offering, we say, God, thank you for the opportunity, what you're going to do in the future. And if I get to be a part of it, praise God. And if I don't, that's okay. I'm building it for the next generation, that there will be something here. That's what the church plan is. We took nothing, and now there's something. Hey, six years ago, my wife and I, we were traveling all over this country, and we drive to a church, and the church said, we'll give you 50 bucks a month to go plant the church. And we had nothing. We had less than nothing. It was nothing, nothing. You would laugh at the stuff that Isaac and Callie and Jane and I would load into a trailer some days because there was nothing. Setup was so easy. It was so easy, except when it rained. But man, we'd get there and we were like, there's the case. There it is. Anything else? Nope. We can't afford nothing else. Nowadays, it's a mixed blessing. Nowadays, you say, oh, this is cool stuff. This is great. Yeah, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I kind of like the old days. Setup team can get there, oh, five minutes early. I could do five minutes. Y'all can do five minutes. I don't know. You didn't come on time to church, so maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Sorry, my passive aggressive is coming out. Sorry. But you could just think back on those days where you see how far we've come. And if you're new to Southridge, you're coming in at the best time because you're still getting a taste of what it is to be scrappy, what it is to be portable, what it is to step into a school that's being attacked, literally attacked, bomb, threats, guns left. The police don't know what to do. The world doesn't know what to do. And yet we have the answer of Jesus. And next week, it's not about a tree. It's about who hung on that tree. And we're gonna preach Jesus to him. We're gonna see people saved. And the enemy has to just take it because he's not gonna stop the work that God has called us to. It's too big. The mission that God has called us to is bigger than a building because God has given us an opportunity here. And we've gotta be like David and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna give whatever I can. I'm gonna bring whatever I can because there is a great future ahead of us. And so we're a part of something. We're building something. And one day we're gonna look back and we're gonna actually miss these days. We're gonna say, those were good days. I miss those theater days. Walking into the theater, the smell of popcorn and Krispy Kreme donuts and our Keurig coffee machine. I can't stand Keurig coffee now. I've gotten way too snobbish, but those were the days. Some of you don't know about nothing about no Keurig coffee and Krispy Kreme donuts. Some of you don't know about none of that. Some of you don't know about the theater screens popping up and starting to play a movie in the middle of my sermon. And it just so happened that they thought my sermon wasn't very good, so they said it's better to watch this movie instead. So we all just sat there and watched a free movie. Just kidding. You don't know anything about hauling up to some theater. You don't know about when they would come out with a rated R movie and our theater was in that movie. And we were like, we can't say the name of the theater we're in because it's got expletives in it, but we're gonna be in that theater. We're gonna be preaching. Some of you don't know about all those things. You're coming up now and you walk in and there's hot coffee. We didn't have that. You had to go make it yourself in a Keurig machine. We didn't have any of that. Greeters, man, the first day we asked you to greet yourself. That's how it worked. It was like, what's your name? Say hello to yourself, okay? All right. Wow, you guys are cold. No, we ain't got nobody. Are you kidding? That first Sunday, here's who showed up. Rod and Laura, myself, my wife, and two of my kids. Kane wasn't even around yet. We were there. 57 people showed up that first Sunday. He said, how many came back that next Sunday? 34. I did such a good job. Less people came back the second week. But look at it now. 
Look at it now. I've never pictured this. You say, but yeah, what about this and this? No, no, no. This is, this is some of the best days. What God has for us, we need to get excited about. We need to get excited and say, God, there, there we go. Man, God, what can you do with that? Oh, man, God, you just giving me excess. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can. God has given us an opportunity to be a part of something that not everybody gets to be a part of. You say, oh, this is a good ploy. This is a good ploy. No, no, no. I can't tell you the joy in my life when I get to give. Every year, my wife surprises me. and She says, how much do you think we gave God this year? And I don't know. It's just something we look forward to. It's just every year we have this weird little competition. We try to outgive what we did last year. It's our own little game. Every year when we go to do our taxes, I'm like, did we beat ourselves last year? Did we outgive ourselves? That's our heart and soul attitude. We're just trying to serve more, to give more, be a part of what God is doing. You say, Pastor, this is all I can give. And guess what? Praise God for that. You say, I got a dollar. Praise God for the dollar. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. You see, it's, it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. That we say, God, we're, we're praying to build this. And God says, awesome. Let's do this together. And God can do something that we never thought possible. As we say, God, I'm trusting you with the future. And God says, actually, I was trusting you all along. It's not in God we trust. God's looking down. He has a different currency. And he's saying, your name. Because God's trusting you with it. You think it's an accident? You're here at this time? No, God's saying this is all deliberate. It's all deliberate. You're here for this time because you have a specific contribution. You are uniquely gifted. You are uniquely formed for this place right now. It's the Queen Esther story. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, there's things that God wants to do through you. It's not just about big church vision. The, The things we get to be a part of bring hope to neighborhoods who right now are thinking about we need to move. We need to move. And yet we're stepping in saying, hey, we're here for change. We're here for good. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.